Well, what do you treasure? Where do you treasure and who do you treasure? These are the three questions that Jesus is effectively asking us in this triple punch of images about moths and lamps and masters. I wonder what your answer would be. What do you treasure? Where do you treasure? Who do you treasure? In verse 19, Jesus tells us not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth. And the reason is pretty straightforward. If you treasure things on earth, then those earthly treasures face earthly risks. Risks like moths, rust, and thieves. And it seems like pretty basic advice, doesn't it? Moths eat holes in your clothes, your car can rust, and thieves can nick your phone. But Jesus is not just telling us to put mothballs in our cupboards or polish our car or get phone insurance so that we can hold on to our earthly treasures. The key is actually in the verbs that he uses for destroy and steal. Those two particular Greek words, aphonizo and klepto, they do mean destroy and steal, but both of those words also have a deeper meaning of darkening or concealing. And so Jesus' point then is that if what you treasure is on this earth, then you are treasuring darkness. Moths, rust and thieves These are the keepers of earthly treasures that will see your clothes, your car, your phone, all of it lost to the darkness. And so instead, Jesus tells us to treasure the things of the kingdom of heaven, where aphorizo and klepto won't take place. No one is going to destroy or steal heavenly treasure because there is no darkness in the kingdom of heaven, only light. Remember what Jesus said much, much earlier. He said that if your heart is set on that heavenly kingdom, then you are the light of the world. If what you treasure is heaven, well, then on this dark earth, you will be light. And that brings us to Jesus' next little pithy saying, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? When we want to test whether someone is telling us the truth, we might say to them, look me in the eye and tell me that. There is something about eye contact, isn't there? We project our state, our real desires from our eyes. Our eyes are windows to the soul. When something is troubling us, those around us who know us well they will say to us that they could see it in our eyes. And that's what Jesus means when he says that the eye is the lamp of the body. What is going on inside of us is projected out to the surface through the eyes. Our eyes show where we are at, where our hearts are at, where we are treasuring. And again, the two locations here are the darkness and the light. Jesus says if our eyes project healthiness, then our bodies must be full of light. But if the eye is bad, then the body is full of darkness. Again, the double meanings of words are helpful here. He is not talking about the real physical health of your eyes, which is fortunate for me. If you look at how thick the lenses are on my glasses, you can see that my eyes are not particularly healthy. The healthy eye, though, was actually a saying in Jesus' day for the generous eye. That is the one who has an eye on being generous, on being merciful. 
They treasure generosity and mercy, and so they are in the light because blessed are the merciful in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus has already told us. But the bad eye, the unhealthy eye, this type of eye is spoken of throughout the Old Testament in the Psalms and the Proverbs as the stingy eye. That is the one who has an eye for hoarding, for being tight-fisted, for being basically ungenerous and unmerciful. The light within them is darkness. That is, they only project darkness through their stingy eye. And how deep is that darkness, Jesus says? Do our eyes project mercy or cheapy, generosity or stingy? What we set our eyes on shows where our hearts are at. They are either treasuring in the light or hoarding in the darkness. And that brings us to the final question. Who do you treasure? Listen to Jesus once again. He says, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This one, again, is pretty straightforward on the surface. God or money, you choose. But again, the double meaning of words is important. Serving here is actually more like being a slave. Not that you are cruelly treated or chained up, but that either you belong to God or you belong to money. You cannot have two owners, two masters. And the word for money there is mammon, which derives from the idea of trust. It's like a trust fund or a treasury. Jesus is asking us, who do you treasure? Is it God who is the light of the kingdom of heaven? Or do you treasure treasure? Are you trusting in the darkness, in the absence of light? Now, our modern day-to-day life just doesn't seem this simple, does it? What do you treasure? Heaven. Oh, so you don't need your clothes and your food then? Well, no, I still need to eat and wear. But you said you treasure heaven. Where do you treasure? Oh, in the light of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, great, so I can have your house because you're apparently living in the kingdom of heaven. Well, no, I still need somewhere to sleep at night. Oh, but you said you were treasuring in heaven. Who do you treasure? I treasure God. Great, hand over all your cash and you keep God. Well, no, I've got bills to pay. But you said you serve God, not money. But see, modern or ancient day, Jesus is not about getting bogged down the detail here. We are all going to have varying levels of wealth. We are all going to have different earthly pressures put upon us. But at the end of the day, Jesus' message is actually remarkably simple. Who are you serving? Where is your heart? Life can seem complex with lots of competing things of value, different things that we could treasure. But Jesus is calling us to simplify our lifestyle so that we can decide what, where, and who to really treasure. There's a radical richness in Jesus' simple kingdom vision here. And we're going to pick up this idea again next week in chapel. But for now, I want you to ponder, what if this is true? What if you actually are a slave to stuff? What if you could remove its grip on you and actually be freed? It might be very tough, but could it be good? Consider the the, the tough love mingled with strange liberation that we've all been experiencing in just the last few weeks as mobile phones have left our playground. It's been a drastic change, and we're still grappling with it as a college as we move forward. 
But that little example is just a little window into the reality that we are, in fact, enslaved to our stuff. And we probably didn't even realise it until we were set free. What, where and who we treasure actually reveals that we don't cast our eyes much further than this dark, moth-eaten earth. It's actually a far more drastic situation than our darkened eyes can see. But there is a rich reality in treasuring the things of heaven now. Reaping generosity and mercy now. Living in the light with our hearts set right on Jesus, our eternal treasure. And if this is true, then it will actually change us now. Not just in some distant heavenly future. It's a simple message with a deep meaning. And next week we will see that God's rich love for us in Jesus goes even deeper than that.